you know it's it's weird to say like sometimes the stuff it almost feels like you're creating music in in that way where you get to let someone just express themselves when in reality they have they feel like they're so average that they just pretend like they don't have something worth saying when in reality we all have something worth saying I <laughs> like that apple. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarity of human experience, and we challenge ourselves and others to think, question, and synthesize wherever their curiosity takes them. It is our hope to provide blueprints for others to learn and lead a more fulfilling life. In today's episode, we are joined by many returning guests, including Joe Joukowsky, Nick Bugle, and Jordan Chris. As the title of this podcast is the Friendsgiving episode, we recorded it before we had our yearly Friendsgiving party. And as we get into, we've all been friends for a very long time, and it's really fun for this kind of conversation where we can just get everyone in the same room and we can just have this really long and in-depth conversation about the things that we care about. And it goes way deeper and obviously philosophical. We start this conversation with Jordan's exploration into the writings of Aaron Sorkin. He wrote Steve Jobs, or is the screenwriter for Steve Jobs, the film in 2015. From there, we quickly deep dive much deeper <laughs> and we have broader discussions around how fame and power affects people. From there, we ask the question, what is art? Using Kanye West's example. And the question I would like to pose to you is, if Kanye wasn't famous, would he still create art? From there, we use this discussion towards art as a broader th theme of what is self-expression self and, and vulnerability. Because I had released the episode, bonus episode of the giving thanks that I had recorded. And I initially had changed the recording because the first recording was very emotional and vulnerable. And I played it for Joe and he told me that needs to be out. And I, I listened to him. <laughs> and so I'll link it here. And it it's definitely worth listening to, I think, because of how much this means to me. In this episode, actually, I say a lot of like what this all means to me as well. And one of our last topics, we cover the philosopher Jean-Paul Chartre and his philosophy and what Joe has learned from it and also how to, some of the holes and flaws in it. And then we finally close getting to a very abridged version of what Nick Bugle and Joe Joukowsky have both been working on uh, over the last couple of months. And there will be separate podcasts probably talking about their own respective things. Um, this was really just us all riffing together. So yeah. And then as a closing note, this is the first episode that we will have full transcripts on. I'm really, really excited to do this. I was working around and trying to thought about doing this for a while and just hadn't pulled the trigger. And I think I'm pulling the trigger now. So if you see it, um, please check out the website. It'll be uh, the URL will be feedingcuriosity.net slash podcast slash friendsgiving dash 2019 and you'll be able to see all of the topics and the full transcripts to be able to read because I think having the ability to read some of this stuff will be helpful for referencing 
for us ourselves internally to be able to create more things with it. And then for you guys to also absorb it in a different way. And that's really what this is all about is providing access to information. So with that, everyone, please enjoy this Friendsgiving conversation with Joe Joukowsky, Nick Bugle, and Jordan Chris. We're back with Feeding Curiosity and, well, I guess it's the Friendsgiving episode. Yes. Yeah. Happy Friendsgiving and yeah. Thanksgiving. Because it's the first time we've all been in the same room in fucking forever. At yeah, least it feels like it. Yeah. Like, Were we not when I was home last? What the I fuck don't think we so. We didn't all hang out. Like, yeah. we hung out. It was like small lunch. groups and stuff. Yeah. Like, nothing yeah. crazy. I haven't seen you in, like, a month. A month. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. So, yeah. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. As we all Cheers. have beers. And that's what Friendsgiving is all about, is get drunk with your friends. They're canned, so you didn't hear the clink, yeah, I, know. I promise you, listeners. That that it's really good. enjoyable. I was trying beers. to verbalize it. I was like, clink, clink, clink. I'll do my best <laughs> to uh, be slurring my words by the end of this, so you guys have proof, really for your benefit, uh, not mine. <laughs> I, I feel like it's your benefit. Because you're Shut the one who... <laughs> <laughs> all right. So who wants to start first about what's been going on with life and things? Because like everyone's been off and doing their own thing. Yeah. Dad's um, tired. <laughs> there's a bear upstairs <laughs> i don't know if it actually can be heard all that much on on this end but we heard it yeah <laughs> wow all right i'm voting jordan you first because okay. i know you had had some chaotic but interesting things going on yeah so some of the things i can't yeah talk about yeah here. not that yeah. <laughs> but so cool stuff where should i start Okay, so there's a lot of, like, ironic stuff going on in the past couple of weeks, like, coincidental, weird, mm-hmm. ironic stuff. It's just... Synchronous. Like, yeah, like, the universe is like, yeah, this is pivotal. You know what I mean? Like, this time... Like, <laughs> like keep doing down, going like, down this, this road. This is a chapter in your memoir. Yeah, and it's, like, I, it's, it's weird, but, okay, so, basically, uh, in between... So, I left, you know, I'm no longer in the uh, service industry. For the most part, like, I'm working here and there, but for the most part, left. So, that chapter is closed. And it was funny because I got this job doing insurance sales and it wasn't what I expected it was. So I left there. So in between, <clears throat> I had a lot of free time. So I was able to write a lot more and kind of hone in the craft and stuff like that. So I started studying Aaron Sorkin, who is mm. now my favorite writer. It used to be like Tarantino big, and Christopher Nolan. He's a big dialogue guy, right? Yeah. Like, so I, I watched Steve Jobs and that show, that movie is literally like three scenes and it's nothing but talking. Whoa. And it's like, so each scene, has anyone seen it? No, I haven't no seen one? it, but okay. I got to, I got to watch it. Yeah. It's a great, great film. And they kind of show Steve Jobs and it's like how he wasn't necessarily like a pleasure to be around. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. but so it's laid out like the in three acts and it's very, obvious which act is which act so it opens up and it's like the apple what is it uh the macintosh launch macintosh i forget exactly what launch the it 1984 was, it, one yes they, yeah. Like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's, launched, the Mac, that, like, that's the Mac. pivotal commercial where they're running dip through the thing it's just like, like a Nazis, hammer yeah. or something yeah. through the screen it's like big brother yeah yeah and there's skinheads actually in the <coughs> like they actually hired skinheads what yeah so the okay wow. so they shot it wherever they shot blade runner and so, oh, that's cool. yeah, the original Blade Runner and Blade Runner used skinheads as extras. Okay. And so Apple came in and they used those same extras and they're actually skinheads. So that was a whole thing. But anyway, regardless. How did that translate? Like, why? I, I think it was just like they needed someone to look a certain way and they happened to be skinheads there. And they were like, well, that's the look we need. 
I don't think it was like it was supposed Myers. to be disturbing because if it, yeah. it's it's a play on Orwell, right? It, yeah, like, they had like yeah. you know creepy like following the system type people lining yeah. rows of chairs watching a giant screen with the talking head on it and then the mac person comes running through triumphantly and throws like a hammer or something to the screen yeah and they're like macintosh yeah so it wasn't it's not like they're like let's definitely get some nazis on board <laughs> you know what i mean but, <laughs> but yeah. it was just kind of like a coincidental thing i guess but anyway so that's like the first act and it just goes through like the issues they had and, you know, he's starting on stage before, like, when they're setting up, then they go backstage and he talks. And then, like, they introduce his ex-wife or his ex-girlfriend, whoever, and his kid that he denies as his kid. And they go through that whole thing. And it's literally just talking for the whole act, all right? The second act is when he gets fired and goes to Next. And then it's, like, before he does his big speech with Next. And then it's, like, the same kind of thing where he's talking. It's a whole dialogue thing. Mm-hmm. And the third act is him back with Apple. Yeah. So it was interesting because I was like, literally, this movie is really just three scenes long. Like, it's just the first, second, third, and it's just talking straight through. But it keeps you engaged because of how good the dialogue is. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, How's the camera work? Uh, nothing crazy. Like, they didn't do anything. Like, they didn't reinvent the wheel. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's pretty standard. It's it's really the focus is 100% on the conversation hmm. and, like, kind of revealing the characters through what they're saying. So, like, exposition through dialogue, which sometimes can be really boring. Yeah. But Sorkin is a freaking genius with words and like how he puts words together. And what other movies did he do? Just out of curiosity. Steve Jobs, Social Network. Uh, he did The West Wing, which is what I'm watching now. He did some more. I'm trying to think of what else he did. Going a little earlier, he did this show called Sports Center, Sports Night or something. It's basically he was like, it'd be cool to make a show about people that, you know, broadcasted sports like mm-hmm. ESPN. And so he did that. I can't remember the other one, but those are the big ones, like Social Network and Steve Jobs. Social Network was great. Yeah, that was amazing. Plus, it was uh, Trent Reznor doing the music for it from Nine Inch Nails. Oh, was it really? Yeah. I don't know. So he produced all the music for that that movie. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so I just kind of took a liking to kind of his style of writing and stuff because it's a little different Mm -hmm. how it's so – like, I was reading the screenplay for Steve Jobs, and it's literally, like, just – it's like 200 pages long, which is super long. Like it's like it's 200 to be, pages. Oh yeah, it's like God. supposed to be like 120. Yeah, it's just like like because so the way that like screenplays are formatted, like dialogue is just longer. You know what I mean? Because it's so it's a narrow margin. Yeah, so it like goes down the middle like this, and it's like literally like there's no action or like description. It's just like enters room. Like they sets the scene, and then it says. <laughs> like talking like leaves like, room I'm picturing like ticker tape were they basing this off of a bi- biography or anything like that a book and I forget well, is, it, is it the Walter Isaacson yeah I think biography? so because Walter Isaacson is he's awesome is when he? it comes to biographies he's like up there like he's the I've listened to three of his biographies I listened to Benjamin Franklin Einstein and one other one or I might have another one to listen to, but he's really good. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, because he tries to like, he's done Da Vinci too, and so he does really deep research to try and figure out, like, become that person to mm-hmm. write their thing. Like, right. He doesn't like just highlight their lives, like, like here's their high points, here's their high watermarks. He'll do their high watermarks, but also say like, here's the things that they're they're fucking up with in their personal lives. Yeah, like shows their flaws. Yeah, right. like like Benjamin Franklin is like has a lot of flaws personally. Really? Same thing with Einstein. Both of those people, they. Even though they were great in their domains, they did not have really good personal skills at all. Like hmm. within their like closed group circles, they just didn't know how to be. Like, that makes sense. Those guys loved beer. 
Yeah. I mean, there's some great quote from him. I wish I could remember off the top of my head, but it was something like one of God's greatest gifts to man is, is beer. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I mean, there's points in time where Franklin just like decided that he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to like Europe and and France and just live there and leave his family in the United States at the Mm. time. That's the thing. That's also (laughs) talk of him having connections with like fancy orgies, essentially. Yeah. He was very much a ladies man, which was, he'd flirt all the time in Europe. There was like a, people that he was like close with and they had not like a cult, but they had an underground group that would go like across a river to orgies and Franklin got in really close with them and his relations with them actually helped with the U S was this in France? Because so. I know he's like yeah. famous in France. They yeah. loved him. He was like France. one of the first like actually like famous celebrity. People. Yeah, really? <laughs> you go to France, you're like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I will have an orgy later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about I don't know how accurate the orgy stuff is, <laughs> yeah. but the yeah, he was definitely a ladies' man. Like he was very flirtatious. Like even if he didn't really want to have a relationship, he would still like flirt with people. Hmm. Interesting. Did not know much about Ben Franklin. Yeah. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff about these like famous people that get highlighted for different reasons. And then, like, once you start looking into their lives, it makes them a lot less, like, put up on a pedestal kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you're like, people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it, ta- it removes the mystique, which is part of, I think, important because it shows, like, yeah. The- it's also, too, like, trying to, a little bit of defamation, like, the whole, like, I love a good share of Gandhi quotes, but mm-hmm. you know, he also molested children. So people right. are like, well, why would you follow Gandhi? He was doing all that stuff. I mean, you can always find a reason. I mean, even exactly. Martha Luther King has, like, shady things. Yeah, it's like, he, he cheat on his wife a lot. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. People, well, the thing with that is then fucking J. Edgar came in and he's like, oh, I'm going to make him out to be a terrorist. <laughs> it's like, he's only yeah, The cheating. FBI was recording and keeping file on all of his promiscuous affairs. Really? Yeah, so yeah. I didn't know that. They were, get try- his ass they were trying to get to, him yeah. on anything they could. It was Crazy. kind of. J. Edgar wasn't the best guy. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's interesting, though, too, because we think about cults are more religious oriented, but not to defame Martin Luther King at all. But the whole idea of like religion versus cult is how the person at the top benefits from the, the most people partaking. Yeah. And so yeah. the idea that he's part of this huge movement, but also he's benefiting sexually left and right. That's interesting. Yeah. Plus, it's, it's a different world, too. I mean, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be yeah. a contrarian here. I'm not justifying the fact that he was sleeping with a bunch of women outside of his marriage. Like, yeah. he should probably be committed. But, like, when you get to a certain point in almost, like, a certain level of fame, that kind of status thing does weird shit to people. Oh, yeah. Like, people act mm-hmm. weird. Like, I talked to a professor once a while back about what it's like to be a professor and kind of the uh, like he won't meet with female students unless it's in a public place and they actually like the administration will advise like if you have a meeting with a student you keep your door open because oh wow because like the students hitting on the professors is a very real thing and people used to sleep with each other all the time. It used to be rampant. Like, I, I forget where I read this, but really, there's a woman talk. She's like, when I was in uh, graduate school, I slept with my professor. I slept with my students. I didn't care. It was great. I had fucking blast. But you can't do that shit no more. No way. <laughs> but like, Conflict of interest all he day. He talked about how he was in a public place still with this this girl doing advising stuff for, or whatever, his office hours or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it was a great conversation. And suddenly, I just noticed that there was a hand in my thigh. And I was like, hmm. That's not appropriate. <laughs> weird. And so you get to like a certain place and then that kind of weird stuff starts to happen. Or you talk to like Brian Callen had a talked about how he was out once the comedian Brian Callen, for those who don't know, was out with some famous like basketball player or something. He wouldn't say who it was. 
but they went to a club and he was like, there was literally a point where a girl was coming around and taking her friends one by one and parading them in front of us L- parade, like taking her walking up there, trying to like sell her friend and leaving. And then if they didn't like that one, she'd go find her other friend. And it was that's like, weird. Right? It's literally like, there's some weird sexual dynamic there. So you could imagine being Martin Luther King for the first time in your life. As, I mean, he's a preacher. Like, suddenly having like women rockstar level. in front. Yeah, rock star level fame. It's like, yeah. yeah. There's so many layers to like, not even just MLK, but like. All of it. Just that oh, yeah. celebrity. Just mm-hmm. people always have an eyes on you, know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like people know that there's always eyes on you. Like, okay, so let's be real. So if LeBron James walked into a club, not even in a sexual way, but like. You may not care for basketball, but if LeBron you know him, you're going to look and be like, holy shit, that's LeBron. You know what I mean? Like the intrigue and the interest around him. So now turn it to a woman who's like, oh, if I can seduce him, who knows what's going to, you know what I mean? Like I was a security blanket at the very least. There's so many different layers to it. Yeah. I listened to, these are two things and they're, they're connected. So I'll go through, I'll start with the most civil one (laughs) and then go to the less civil one. So there was an Oxford union debate about the role of pornography in education, whether it could be used for sexual education, what dance you have. So there's two different sides in the all debate. And one of the people that was there was Lisa Ann, the porn star. And she was part of the debate and she was voting against it. She was like, absolutely not. She's like, no. <laughs> she said, she, I think she, at one point in her debate was like, 99% of the things you see, you will never do in your lifetime, period. She's like, don't pretend that this is normal, that this is, it's totally See, I've heard, I've heard that I, side of the argument a lot when it comes to this debate. So she was talking about that, but I heard about that from a different podcast. So she was in, on with Andrew Schultz, who is a hilarious comedian. He's okay. brutal. Basically, that dude goes up on stage with no material and just roasts the entire front row, just rips them apart. And just looks at the front row. Oh, it's who deadly, they are. dude. <laughs> just demolishes people. It's Damn, so that would be funny. fun to go to. <clears throat> it's really funny. I wouldn't say in the front row, though. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but so he has a conversation with her and she was talking about how there's this under there's this entire black economy like dark economy that exists in the celebrity world mm-hmm. where and she's acted in it where she acts as a mediator between women who are interested in sleeping with professional athletes and professional athletes she would tell the athlete like no that one's not trustworthy or this one is you can Whoa. talk to these girls they're going to shut up they're cool people like Everything is so on the down low, and there's literally like curators that are running how this whole thing works, so that nobody talks. Is it, is it, is it so that these athletes don't have to worry about who and get they're sued. sleeping with? Yeah, like is so it like cheating, adultery, or not necessarily? No, or I mean, just so they protect them, their I'm money. Sure. Yeah, but really, it's per- yeah, it's protecting money. It's it's like is this chick gonna put a hole in a condom and then get a hundred million dollars from you or something? Because that happens to college athletes. That. I've heard stuff like that where girls will like tamper with condoms so that they basically. Get this guy forever. Hmm. It's, it's cr- people act nuts it's around famous stuff. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. They go batshit crazy. The celebrities too. I mean, this is right. I've been talking about almost the craziness of the people that are pursuing the celebrities. But if you're a dude and you've never seen this before, right. you there's plenty of stories of guys who went fucking nuts. Yeah. I mean, and then guys who think become entitled as a result that they mm-hmm. think they're entitled to the sex because now they always get it all the time. Yeah. It's like so there's that dimension to it. It just gets complicated. Yeah. It's a whole muddy water. Oh, it's not. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, that, they need to. Well, I would like to see that kind of veil lifted off the celebrity. Because yeah. in that that realm, it gets so da- <clears throat> it gets so dangerous. You know what I mean? Where it's like 
people just get literally crazy. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's I mean, like, Johnny Depp is a good example of just the, this, the craziness. I don't know anything about Look at the craziness that happened he, to him. He buys like houses. Like they had to stop him from just buying stuff. Yeah. He just buys shit. He buy He's, yeah. He does all these Disney movies because he's broke. Oh, really? Like dead broke. He's like got so much debt, it's out of this world. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, like a fuck ton. And part of it too, part of the debt is a result of his ended relationship with Amber Heard. Oh my God. Who came after him for like straight up abuse. Like Example of craziness. Like going after like <laughs> She went after him for everything. And I think she won. But then they went really? back and- like they reviewed all the evidence and they had like another lawsuit and basically they found out that she was actually abusing the fuck out of him, like beating him what? all kinds. Oh yeah. It was nuts. Like Crazy. it was a total turnover. They're like, what the, cause they got new evidence and they're like, she lied the entire time. Holy like, Holy Oh yeah. It was crazy. People do crazy things when they are one in relationships and when they're famous. Or even when they're in love mm. love. That's not love, man. If I know. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, in insane need for validation to the point where you have to coerce someone into it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you feel power because you dominate them. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Crazy. I was just thinking about that too. Like before I got here today, I was like, Sleeping oh, with yeah. celebrities? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> who's who's your next one? Just the day. Taylor Swift? Absolutely. I was, I was going to say that. I was like, I talk a lot of smack about Taylor Swift, but if she ever flirted with me in a bar, I'd probably, you know. I'd be like, oh, it's worth know. being in a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they get asked, like, are you going to write a song about me now? Oh, 100%. Oh, you know she's been asked. <laughs> I don't even ask. I just be assume. I'm like, all right. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> and then you try to listen to him. You're like, which one's mine? I assume <laughs> And you know what? It would end in six months later, a new album would come out and be like, <clears throat> FJ would be like the name of the thing. And I'd be like, aha. That's me. <laughs> I made it. I like, earned uh-huh. my stripes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I was thinking of was there's a podcast with us three, Joe, me, Wenzel. And um, I mentioned like Johnny Depp having history of beating his wife. And now this year, the more history has come out and that's been wrong. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, how often we do the best with the information we have at our disposal. And this had been a thing for years. So it was like, okay, it seems pretty clear that Johnny Depp might be an abusive lover. Turns out that's the flip side of the coin. And I was just kind (laughs) of like, man, I like basically put that information out there. Like it was something I saw firsthand, but because I had, you know, been exposed to this information for so long. Could you, could you imagine? I couldn't, the stress of being in that situation and in the public eye during that situation. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Like I was, I did a, a interview recently for the, the Michigan Daily, which is like the student run newspaper at UM, but it's also, which sounds like, okay, student run, but it's also like the largest in print newspaper in Michigan. Like Whoa, <laughs> more people read that than anything else, basically, as far as newspapers go. Man, as for in print too, that's crazy. Like they print it right. Because <clears throat> the most pr- pr- papers don't get printed. Um, it's probably online. It is online. Well, for most sure. likely, but yeah. And I might have something about that wrong, but mo- whatever. It's a huge newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I did an interview for them because they were talking about vouchers. And the there's a bill being proposed that would make your source of income a, a protected class so that military veterans who get vouchers from the government to pay for their rent would be protected. So a, if they're like, Hey, listen, I have a hundred that you get it because you're super disabled. Like you'll never walk again kind of thing. And so they can't get a job. So the government has to give them money so that they can afford to live. Right. So they give that voucher to their landlord, the landlord turns it in, then they get their money. But it's, it's way more complicated than that. Like, the process of getting that money through the voucher for the landlords is insane and it's not consistent. Hmm. So you'd be in a different jurisdiction and suddenly it's totally different. 
So they could That's have one guy with a voucher in this county and then another dude with a voucher in the other county, and the whole thing is totally different. And it's the way it's, it's handled it's an absolute mess. Like the way it's handled is not even similar at no, all. Welcome to bureaucracy. It's a federal yeah. government thing. So the moment that they're involved, it's just there's so much going on. Yeah. Immediately it becomes more complicated than perhaps it needs to be. Right. But so they wanted a veteran's commentary on it. They wanted to know somebody's opinion. So I was like, sure, I'll talk to you. Did a little bit of research, made sure I had my opinion in order. And I just was going to give this interview, and my position was basically, listen, you have this, you can have a contract argument with the veterans. If I am a military person, I sign up, and my end of the bargain is that I serve honorably. Your end of the bargain is that you provide me with a salary and then all the benefits and entitlements that come with it, including those vouchers, if I end up in a situation where I'm that disabled. That's your end of the bargain. So you could say that the federal government needs to protect that class for veterans because they need to uphold their end of the bargain, right? They're part of that contract. They signed in. They agreed to it just like I agreed to it, okay? So it's your responsibility to make sure that happens. But the bill was also tacking on a huge protection for low-income families. You can't use that same contract argument with low-income families. They didn't sign a contract with the government. They didn't work for four years and serve honorably. There's no equivalent there. So regardless of your opinion about whether or not those whether or not those families should be getting those vouchers, it's just a separate issue. So to tack it on and pretend like they're the same thing is disingenuous. And that was my whole position. It's like, you know what really is happening here is that politicians are like nobody's going to vote against veterans benefits because that looks horrible on your voting record. So we'll slip in this with it. And that's what basically my position was. But before I even did that, I was like, I was nervous because I was like, oh, man, this is not a popular thing to even say because very democratic place, uh, very liberal campus to a very liberal, uh, very liberal newspaper, newspaper. And and I am taking a contrarian view to what could be seen, though it's not what could be seen as being against welfare for low income families. I was like, this could be completely spun. So I took it. I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. But I was nervous. I was like, I'm taking a risk here because it could be. I don't have like, I'm Joe Schmo. Like, (laughs) I don't have any like means to defend myself if they put something like, but this guy said this. Like, if they wanted to smear me, I can. I can't do anything. You know, I could yell at the dude that chick that interviewed me. But right, what's that going to accomplish? I mean, like, it's like. You know, they're going to take the what, what you say and then turn it into a spin it. Right. For all and I don't think I did that good of Or take interview. it out of context, rather. I, th- I think that my I wasn't as clear in my thinking as I am now. Now that Yeah. Because I just had more time to think it over. Right. Like, I knew basically the thing, but how to explain what I was trying to get at. I don't think yeah. I did as well as I did, just did now. Mm-hmm. But my whole point is, with this, is that if I was nervous just for something as simple as potentially getting smeared a little bit by a student-led newspaper, what would it be like to be Johnny Depp where on the national scale, international scale, you're being falsely accused of sexually abusing someone? Like, Jesus. Sexually abusing? Or Uh, or just physically abusing. I I was like, that's a whole different... I think, (laughs) think, I'll say physically abusing because I'm sure that's... That was what we talked said before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it's physical. Okay. Either, Either way, I feel like those kind of things shouldn't be so public. Like... Yeah. 
because until until you know or until the facts are out because that's like what happened you know he gets written off last year you know as soon as last year it's like oh he's you know this guy who beats his wife or whoever she right. wants to I, I don't know anything about the right. story so i'm just speculating here but like you know he gets written off like this and then a year later it's like well nope that's not what happened you know what i mean it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's just it's it's it causes too much stress on a person because at the end of the day they're all people mm-hmm. to know like wow millions of people are like watching my every move to like you know so specifically you know what i mean that like yeah. if i fuck up once i'm fucked and that right. was kind mm-hmm. of a thing that we had in the liam neeson thing where it's oh like, yeah I mean, that's, that's a really good example, example of it. Yeah. You know, there's so many examples, but like he says one thing and it, like it blows up and maybe he, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can disagree with it or you're like, well, he didn't mean it that way. Whatever the side right, of the, right, right. the side of the coin you're on. There's it's like you're so closely watched that you don't have the ability to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to be just a regular person, quote unquote, to have the freedom to make those mistakes. Because then, you know, like, well, if I fuck up, I can I can fix it. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean like or i can try paper. again yeah at the very least yeah, yeah right but, my career won't be ruined if they smear me right right like well, and plus joe just like. he just did it right now he's, he's taking it upon himself to reiterate on the point and say maybe i didn't say this as well as i could have in that moment but he still cares enough to actually even try to explain it again and you know mm-hmm. thankfully we do have a platform that we can do that right you and know because most could, people don't do that right it could literally be the case that they they totally misconstrue everything that I say and maybe paint me as a contrarian, which actually I kind of am a contrarian, but I, w- I guess I would say more <laughs> like as a, a baseless dislike for low income families, or right? Whatever bad you want to smear it. Maybe they do that. I could be like, okay, how about we do an actual interview? I could literally call and be like, listen, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like, I think mm-hmm. you guys just got something wrong. Let me give you, let me try to clarify this thing. Yeah. And then maybe we can have another review or whatever. Right. That'd be fine. You know, like, like I've had more time to think about my position. I'm not opposed to this thing. Let me try to reiterate. The stakes are just lower. Yeah. That's what it is. The stakes are just lower for me. So, but the fa- just the <laughs> fact that I was like, oh man, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be like, I'm going to trial for something I didn't do. If I lose, like the whole world is going to think that I beat my wife. Yeah. Like, oh my God. That's a huge weight to carry around. Could you imagine going through the airport and knowing that everybody that recognizes you thinks you beat your wife and you're a piece of shit for it? Dude, I wouldn't be able to leave the house just to be honest. Like I wouldn't be able to, (laughs) if I knew that, like, especially if it's something I didn't do, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like if I knew I was innocent, but like you go to the grocery store, Mm -hmm. you're trying to check out for Thanksgiving dinner. You're like, I just want to get my turkey. (laughs) And the lady cashing your turkey is like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you're a piece of shit. Like she's just yeah, staring laser beams yeah, through you. You know what I mean? So it makes sense why these celebrities don't. I mean, and, that, and that's why they do the. Things. They try to be as normal looking as possible with the sunglasses, yeah. hat, and they go incognito mode. Yeah. Basically, it's like, it's there's too much like, it's I don't even know if it's yeah. idealization, but it's like too much, too much is like a spotlight on your life. Yeah, like it, too much introspection into a person's life. Like you care more about someone else's life than your own life. Right, <laughs> and like it should be just about the art or whatever it is that they're famous for. Like, yeah. highlight oh, the art. You know we've done I mean? that before where we talked about like dis- disconnecting the person from what they do, right. right? And being like, okay, you can like them for their artwork mm-hmm. or whatever they create and then you can like then the, the, like who they are personally, mm-hmm. who whatever they stand for, you can just be like, all right, there it is, but you don't have yeah. to touch it. Dude, yeah. this, is, <clears throat> this is so evident. Like, <clears throat> I was talking with my ex once about what artists 
would we remember in the future like we remember Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and mm-hmm. that? Who's it going to be? Right. Right from now, who's going to be the ones that are going to stand the test of time? And I thought Kanye West. I was like, Kanye West is going to be one of those. And she was like, no, I don't like him. It wasn't, the, point. the thing was, it wasn't an argument for why he wouldn't be that. It yeah. was like, no, he sucks. And I was like, okay, but his Ken- art Kendrick, is prolific. Kendrick would probably be there. So you can, yeah. Kanye West is what, yeah, def- Kendrick, definitely. But we, like Kanye West is one of those people who is so crazy out there that you really do just have to be like, all right, I don't know how you're acting on Twitter or whatever. I'm going to put you over there in that box, yeah. but like the things that you create, I'm going to put in this box over here. And I'm yeah, going to analyze that for what it is. Yeah. Do you see his new, or listen to his new gospel album? Yeah, I actually like that. A lot Dude, of people I love that. I thought it was amazing. Oh, it's like I one of the that. first rap albums where there's no swearing, like <laughs> really at all. He won't Whoa. do it anymore. Yeah, and really. So mm-hmm. Alex was actually telling me something interesting because she watches Keeping. I don't know if she actually watches it. Yes, <laughs> she actually watches Keeping Up with the Case, and I guess, or I don't know where you saw this, but she can clarify that later. But she <laughs> point is. Apparently, Kanye White make, while making this album, anyone who was associated with it in any aspect had to like devote themselves to abstin abstinity to be abstinence. Ab- yeah, abstinence. Whatever. I made that up. You sound like you know what you're talking about. It, sound, oh, yeah. it sounds good. I'm gonna try to use that more. <laughs> the word. Right. Uh, abstinity. Yeah, I like it. it. Sounds good. It might actually be a word because it's like you know. Yeah, it's like spontaneous, but you know you're trying to be spontaneous. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying too hard to get it. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. So point is, but he made people follow these like strict like Christian rules mm-hmm. if they were any in any aspect right. collaborating on this album. That's so the crazy. point was like you can't have sex, can't do this, can't drink and all this stuff and like I guess to the point where Kim was even like it was getting hard to be around him because it was so intense and it was like wow, Dude, fucking relax. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like so that's how what I would He expect. takes his art so seriously, so like I don't know, to I feel like you have to respect that. Whether you like it or not, you kind of have mm-hmm. to respect that he right. takes it that seriously. You know? Well, he's because definitely an artist's artist, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think he's not even a musician, really. I think he's an artist. Right, yeah. no, yeah. That what he's really doing is he's, he's, it's, I don't even know how to put it into words. It's, if you watch his interview with David Letterman on My Guest Tonight, I think is the name of yeah. it, on, ne- mm-hmm. on Netflix. That's a Netflix Great interview, special, right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, that was the first time they really understood what was going on with Kanye West. I was like, oh, you're not, like, I get it. You are so completely, it's like total vastness is everything is open to him. Everything is open for a possibility, yeah. including the crazy shit. Yeah. It's like you can make a beautiful piece of music, an album that pulls in all these ideas visually, lyrically, musically, all of this. And what gets caught in the net because of it's like the personality that would catch that in the net is the same that would catch a would catch Taylor Swift winning an award and then be immediately not be able to help himself from going up yeah. there and having this moment. Yeah. Right. He has to, he has to go out there and create music. He has to go out there and express himself. If that expression is through music and art. Good. If that expression is kicking Taylor Swift <laughs> off of her moment. Then that's so good. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. His filter, like, his filter is not all there because he's just, he's just so expressive that. Yeah. It's, it's completely un, filtered like rocket fueled self-expression yeah mm-hmm. and we were actually at uh so rachel had a friendsgiving last week and we were the guy that earlier we were saying reminds me and alex of you uh mm-hmm. his name is alex weird too many alexes but <laughs> who did this yeah but he can so, name names yeah we were we were talking about kanye west briefly and basically it was like it, we 
the basic point of the conversation was like, if people didn't care, would he still do that? Yes. Like, would he still he relay that way? And he would. But my point is, people shouldn't care. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I guess saying shouldn't care is too harsh. But like, what do you mean shouldn't care? But like, they shouldn't hold it with so much weight. Got like, it. people genuinely dislike a person. Like, I guess I don't know where your ex was coming from, but like, people genuinely would dislike a person just because they come off a certain way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or differently. And it's like, well, I don't agree with that. He's so crazy. It's like, okay, well, just stop holding. You don't know him. Yeah, look, like, look personally. past that for a second. Yeah, like. The majority, like majority of people, don't will never meet a celebrity. Don't know celebrities, mm-hmm. so you shouldn't like with things that you hear in the news or like whatever outlet. You shouldn't hold so much weight with it because you don't know them as a person. So there's no context to say that oh he's actually crazy. Or like well you've never spoken with him before in your life. So how, is he really crazy or has he always been like that? Whatever, you know what I mean. But we hold so much weight with like all this stuff. So then it creates this stress. But then like if I fuck up. I'm fucked. Like I won't have a career anymore. And it's not my career isn't me me being Johnny Depp. My career wasn't I'm waking up today and I'm Johnny Depp and that's what I get paid for. My career is acting. Mm-hmm. My career mm-hmm. is art. So people will look down on my art regardless of how good I am or great I am. Mm-hmm. Just well, because of the I, I think it's I mean, there's a perfect example that literally just happened yesterday. So when when I showed you the 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 raw emotional version of the giving things bonus mm, episode. Yeah. So I was here sitting alone, like my mom was at work, my brother was with Daria and, and his girl, his girlfriend, and I didn't have anything to do. Like there's no family here. I was just kind of doing my own thing as if it was a normal off day. It just so happened to be it was Thanksgiving. And so I was in a reflective headspace thinking about life basically and just thinking about what the holidays usually represent for people and how you know modern society just kind of has sucked away some of the most meaningful moments of from people and like friendsgiving is like i've been it was stressful getting this all planned together but then also now that it's actually happening i'm like super excited for it because like bringing everybody together you know for as long as we've all known each other is like a huge reason why this podcast even happens and you know i was just thinking about it and i recorded the first version of it and it was totally ad-libbed i just sat here like right where i'm sitting right now and just started talking and all of a sudden it's just like this raw emotion about all the things i've been thinking about you know when it comes to meaningful relationships and how to think about the holidays and beyond that how to think about recontextualizing our social environment so that we can look past the things because it's like oh you know i wanted that next tv or that next whatever the fuck it is like and then we we don't we stop ourselves from being like, oh, well, I'm too busy. I can't see you. You know, we stop ourselves like, oh, you want to grab dinner? Nope. Sorry. Got to, you know, get another work thing done. Got to do emails. And then we saw like, we always cut ourselves off from the things that truly matter because they don't add in quotation marks value, you know? And, and then when I showed it to Joe, he's like, that needs to be up now. And he, he said a really good thing. He's like, he's like, true art is when you're feeling it the most. It's yeah. You want me to riff? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> okay. I have a whole philosophy on what art is, which is like, <clears throat> is I think it's defined by, it's an attempt to express something like a deeply personal truth, something that you need a medium that has free flowing creative spirit to express. You might paint it because you don't have words for it. But you have an image of what that thing looks like. Or you might write an entire book. This character is acting in a certain way because you're trying to get at something that is true that you don't quite know how to say. Some issue, whatever it might be. And 
if you're going to do that, to actually accomplish the expression of this personal truth, in order to do that, you need to be willing to be vulnerable because pure honesty is vulnerability. It's here's what I think. And now that I really tell you what I think, I am now vulnerable to your criticisms of it. So what Wenzel did, I saw is analogous to artwork, which was that I'm going to self-express honestly as best as I can. And it might be emotional and vulnerable, but that makes it more on the mark, more true than it would be if I tried to hold back. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you did that, I was like, yep, okay. Yeah, you need so to put that out. Yeah, put that to, one out. To, to put it in context, the, the first version, so that was the first version. I didn't even think about it. I just sat here, and all of a sudden, it was like, by the end of it, you, Jordan, you listened to it. I was, you could easily tell I was on the, holding it in. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, I went to the bathroom, like, okay, I need to, need to collect myself. <laughs> and then I re-recorded the original version, or the original version that I put up, and it was less than 24 hours later that I was able to play it for Joe. And it was like, because I felt it too, like, you, you know, when something feels right, mm-hmm. but it's also like, it's still scary. Like the vulnerability thing. It's like, oh, well, someone's going to judge me. Like he, here he is, he's talking to himself and he's getting crying. You know, that's where my brain goes. It's like, oh, I'm like choking back tears and things. But then like, as soon as I put the real thing up and I shared it to all of you guys, Mike texted me personally and he's like, dude, you had me in tears. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's just so, I don't know. It's just like, it was true. It's yeah. just like so much of this like project is so deeply intertwined to like something deeper in my being. And then like the, the major part of it is like sharing it, sh- sharing the process of it with all of you guys is what breathes life into it for me. And it's like being able to have an excuse. Like it, this is the job that I get to create for myself, but also have the excuse to make sure I can keep elaborating and filling in the gaps with my friends so that as we get older and busier, we have the reason to be like, yo, let me like sit down with you and actually have a real conversation with what you're all about forever. I guess the point is that as we get older and more busy, it's like, okay, here we go. Let's like lock into the podcast so you can share what you're doing to the world too. Like it's like double whammy because we're all like doing awesome shit (laughs) for lack of a better term. It's fucking awesome. And it's just like this crazy thing that when you allow someone to express themselves authentically and authentically is such a strange word to talk about because it's just like passion that they light up in a different way that you don't normally get to see someone because it's so surface level on the regular basis you know because everyone talks about you know how they got caught off in the morning or why they didn't have whatever for lunch or whatever the fuck it is you know <laughs> or why their cat is annoying them <laughs> and when you get a chance to say i want to see the real you not not the curated version of you i want to see what 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 moves your soul and like like lights your like eyes on fire and what you you won't shut the fuck up about mm-hmm. people are like wait what you actually care and that's what throws people off and then all of a sudden, once you give them the leash to be like, take the reins, like, see, let's see where it goes. Then people get like, oh, shit, I get to express myself for real. Right. And then you get real shit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird to say, like, sometimes this stuff, it almost feels like you're creating music in, in that way, where you get to let someone just express themselves when in reality they have they feel like they're so average that they just pretend like they don't have something worth saying. 
when in reality we all have something worth saying. Damn. <laughs> How do you like that apple? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that was a mic drop. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Probably should cut that out later and post it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you guys do a lot of, have done a lot for me to recontextualize what creativity means. As an engineer or someone who's pretty analytical, I've always kind of thought creativity was this very different thing than who I am. Mm -hmm. But over time, and as I've done this project for now almost two years, I've been able to redefine what is creativity in a way that is like, okay, <laughs> there's a way more nuance to what creativity can be depending on what your skill set is, right. you know? And I mean, each of one of us could probably come up with their own version of what creativity means to each of us, which is awesome. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And I don't know, just like super thankful for all of it. It's a crazy thing. Well, I'm thankful that we have this friend group, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were, we were at the gym today and we were like, how old were we when we like met each other? And it was like 20 years. Like if it, it was like first grade, it's like 20 fucking years. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm 27 now. So right. Yeah. So that's first. I think I met first, second grade. Second. Yeah. Cause second we had the same teacher for second grade. Miss Gaffiti, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We drew monsters. So I nephew, remember this. My nephew had her as a teacher. No way. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> I can't believe she's still teaching. I know, right? I'm like, that's so weird. But then you wonder, you're like, well, how old were they really? Right. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, like, cause I don't know. Like our peers, our teachers now, they're like, oh, I teach fifth grade. And you're like, they're 25, you right? I mean? like, Who let you anywhere near kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, did you? Yeah. I thought you couldn't be by a park. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Bugle. <laughs> what are you doing in a school? <laughs> no, but really, it's weird because when you're six years old, I mean, you look at these. 20 years like old right yeah you know what i mean like but they seem like your parents yeah it's yeah it's it's weird but man it's weird how time works i know right because it, it i mean it doesn't seem that long ago no if you really think about it like okay so think about your life 10 years ago where were we 10 years ago would be 2019 we'd be 16 17 so yeah. like sophomore junior yeah so like it seems like a long time ago if you think about it like that. But if you think about like just being in high school, does it really seem that long ago? No, no, not really. It's really, you weird. know, what really weirded me out when I realized that the freshmen that I'm going to have class with were nine years old when I joined the Marine Corps. Holy crap. Holy shit. What? Yeah. They're 18. I'm oh 27. boy. Damn. I joined, yeah, I joined the Marine Corps in 2011. They were nine. So they weren't old. even born when, but when we were starting school. Yeah, probably basically. Not, no. Think That's about that. Insane. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done with my life? <laughs> it's like you want to pat them on the head and be like, oh, look at you, little belly. That makes me want to leave. That's <laughs> that so... too. That's like, let's just walk out of this. Like, I'm so done. So curious, do you see uh, like a huge maturity difference? I mean, obviously there is one, but I'm saying like, is it evident in that kind of setting? In an academic setting when you're in class, is it like, wow, those kids are 18? Or Depends like, on the person. So... Some people, and it's tough too, because I think that I've like become more immature the longer I've been there. Like I've, mm. I think I've, I think I've matched the environment more. Mm. Now I'm just older, and so there's some mitigation against that. Plus, I kind of try not to think about it, or I don't think about it. So I'll just be bullshitting with somebody, and every so often they'll just do something that'll catch me off guard. So 99% mm. of the time, I don't even notice it. 
But every so often they'll do something really immature or like childish, and I'm just, I go, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> and I get reminded, right? Yeah. Like mm. for example, I was at the gym, and a couple of dudes that I knew saw me there, and they're like, hey, what's up, man? Blah blah. blah. And they're talking, and then one of them calls the other one out for having a pimple like uh, near their mustache or something, mm. right? And I was just like, who? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. This is like, really? He's like, oh, look at you. I was like, what? What? How? I'm like, how old are you? Oh, you're 19. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. Like, as you'd explain that, I'm like, why would you point that out to somebody? Like, who cares? <laughs> it just doesn't matter. But even when I was 19, I wasn't like, hey, <laughs> look at your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, some people we know would have done that. Like, hey, your face is ugly. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we were that age. I know. That's what I'm saying. But so it's moments like that that I'll notice it. Yeah. But for the most part, I don't. What I did notice in the last relationship, because she was, 23 i was 26 at the time so three year difference yeah, right so, so three yeah. years but what i noticed there was i don't know if it was a lack of time for this or what it was mm -hmm. or maybe it's just who i am as a person but i noticed that comparatively less formed as an individual she was less sure of her own identity i've, that these I've noticed people that people that aren't mm -hmm. really aware of where they're going exactly or what they really stand for who they are and they're kind of amorphous and all over the place. So trying to get to know someone in a deep level of who they are with that makes it really hard because, because they don't even know they, who they are. <laughs> don't really know what they are everything or nothing, right? Right. They're mm -hmm. not some defined thing. So when I'm trying to pin down who this person is, do we get along? Are you the type of person that I could see myself with for a long time? There's nothing there that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm trying to I don't even know how you do. I'm trying to think of a good metaphor. It's almost like I'm trying to pick up water. You know, yeah. I'm trying to hold, Without a cup. Without trying a to cup. hold yeah. something in my hand, but it's so liquid that it just falls out or mm -hmm. I don't, I can't hold all or of it. Sand. Or sand. Or yeah. sand. Yeah. Like I've noticed that too, where it's like when you meet people who, it's almost like you just need a certain level of like life experience. And it doesn't matter what it is. Like it doesn't have to be good, bad or ugly. It just, they haven't spent enough time with their own thoughts to think about what they truly value and, and would like to represent in the world. And then when you try to find out something deeper about, you know, what do they stand for kind of thing, they, they just never have been confronted with that question. Like they haven't gone to the, like, I guess, existential level of it yeah. right. where it's, what do I really want my life to be about? You know? And you're like, how, and then how, and then the next question is like, once you decide what, what your life is about or what you want it to be about you say okay what are the steps that i have to put in place to put myself on that path yeah and and i just don't think most of the people have done that deep work to figure it out in their own head and yeah. be like hey where are the stepping stones here right to to be uh, go ahead go ahead i might be like a tangent so if you want to Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. right, um, well, fine then <laughs> all right real quick so i was just saying not to say you guys are saying this but to be fair I feel like that is such a hard thing to do. Oh, I'm not saying it's easy, but right, you're right. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to imply that's what you guys mean. But I just feel like, so personally, like when I, you know, when I stopped making music, I didn't consciously say I'm done making music today. Right. It was just like, you know, some weeks turned into months went by and then I was like, oh, I haven't done this in a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it was like a, like a, Small. like a hindsight reflection. You know what I mean? Where I had to look back on it when I wasn't consciously doing it. And then I didn't consciously get into screenwriting. It was kind of like a lot of 
different things like you guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Saying like, hey, you should do this, blah, 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 blah. And then kind of just formed. Yep. And then kind of in a roundabout fashion, I figured out like, oh, this is who I am and this is the lane I need to be in. So I don't know if that's, you can strike that at maturity. That's what I said. It's just life experience. Yeah. Like it just need a certain level of time and then reflecting. Yeah. Being, oh, what are the common themes and patterns in my life that seem to be these thematic values that seem to be underscoring everything that I do in my life. Right. And it doesn't have to be like aligning with a certain job or anything like that, but it's what are the values that these things seem to bubble up like emergent properties of my life. Right. And then once you can organize those things, then you can start to really see, oh, this is what I'm all about. And then just be about it, like be it. And then from there, kind of construct. Yeah. And then from there, it's like, okay, then I can fill a role because society is going to give you a role, but you're more complex and more dynamic than any role you'll ever choose to fill. I'm going to throw a little, <laughs> I don't know, curveball. Because it sounds like you dated me. No, but like, I, I think there's, for me, I mean, I'm not 23, I'm only 25, but I don't know specifically, there's, I, I wouldn't argue that there's truth to what you're getting at. Right. But I find more value for myself in not solidifying in anything and holding versatility. And I think once you start mm -hmm. to ground yourself in a certain place, you offer a little too much bias to the way that you process things that you take in. And I mm. actually hate that I ever talk about anything like I know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> because I have no clue about anything ever in their insane brains. But at the same mm -hmm. time, going back to something you also said is that you can have all the information in the world, but if you don't have the power to enact it, what's the point? So there's a middle ground there, right? Of like, if I'm just this schlub that's like, oh, I'll just take an information, but I'm not confident enough to actually enact it, what's the point? I You have to find a middle ground, but yeah. at the same time, like, I think hopefully it's not, you know, maybe I'll hit 40 and be like, all right, I've gathered enough information and cultivated enough to feel cultured and educated enough to say, okay, I could make a decision in the world. Right. And that's not to say that I don't, I know that I love breakfast and I know that when I listen to punk <laughs> music, yeah. I want a lot of bass guitar. And when I listen to hip hop, I love it. If there's a, some piano in there, I love going to snazzy bars and I love going to like sitting in a beanbag chair and drinking scotch in a really weird place, you know, but in terms of actually enacting opinions, I think it's really tough right back to that Johnny Depp thing. I can sit there and say, yeah, beating your wife is bad. But then when you get down to the specifics that you have limited knowledge on, it gets really tough. And again, I, I hate the I hate that I talk about stuff like I know about it. And like, I mean, that's kind of inherent and that's what I've been doing for a long time, but I am so limited. But that's also the beauty, the beauty of the human experience. We could be omniscient, mm -hmm. but having that human bias applied to everything is part of the, like, you know, if you have no- It makes an individual an individual. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so like, I don't know, I don't know, like it sounds like too, I know you have very critical conversations. So in that sense, having someone to offer feedback to you and I have like, you know, a ground sense yeah. of being like, well, wait, well. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would say this is like, and I'm sure Joe might echo some of it, but what if you notice the way I'm speaking is I'm not saying anything in mm -hmm. particular. I'm circling around qualities and, and what is it like life all about? And it sounds flowery and it sounds a little like, what the fuck? Like if you just hear it for the first time, it's like, he's not really saying anything. And it's kind of true mm -hmm. because I can't prescribe someone and say, you should value this thing because if you value that thing, then your life will be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't do that. What I, all I can say is if you, you just have to look inside yourself and you have to just, 
like reflect and ask yourself what what do you're, I stand for? You're starting the conversation and for someone already. That's it's offering it. them. You're saying, hey, this might be something that you want to think about yourself. Yes. Giving them. The, I mean, Jordan Peterson, like Joe would say, <laughs> would talk about past authoring or present authoring, and and is one of the ways and tools that we do this with. So yeah, I mean, like I can, I, can, Joe. I can push back on both your desire not to quite say anything to somebody to like sway them one way. Mm -hmm. And I can highlight the idea you were just talking about that I think you were really touching on. And I think this is a solution to it. It's, and it's actually the same issue as the art vulnerability problem. That art is a very personal thing and it's a self-expression. But you make yourself vulnerable in putting that out there. I think knowledge is the same way that you try to understand things to the best of your absolute ability. And then once you know the facts, you form an opinion about it. And it is an opinion. Mm -hmm. But you say, okay, this is how it looks to me. And now that I see how this looks to me, I'm going to put that out there, make myself vulnerable to criticism. True. Willingly. Ooh, I like Willingly this. make myself vulnerable to criticism. Not only so that I can actually learn by other people's critiques. Mm -hmm. Because here's what it looks like to me. I know I'm missing information. Someone's got it out there. Someone's got a reason why I'm fucking wrong. All right. But I don't know where else to go to find that truth. So I'm going to throw it on the ether and whatever mm -hmm. comes back my way, I'm willing to accept. And that might me look like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Like there might be yeah. a moment where I look stupid, but fine, fine. Assert yourself, <laughs> put your opinion out there with confidence. Yeah. Have a reason why you have that opinion. Mm -hmm. Make sure you can defend it as to the best of your ability and then just see what happens. Yeah. And so that's, I was going to say that makes a lot of sense. And another thing that you would also mentioned, the idea that everything has truth to it. Like I could be like lollipops suck. That's <laughs> not necessarily true, but the fact that I think they suck is true. And that is a truth about lollipops that Nick Bugle thinks they suck. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing of like, you know, if you take a hundred people and you survey them on how many gumballs they think are in something, and then you add up all their stuff and you find the median, you're going to be closer to the truth yeah. than any one individual because that's just kind of how that works. So the more versions of the truth you have, technically, I guess yeah. you'd be closer I should to the parable for it, this. If it you should want. converge on a known quantity. There's a Buddhist parable about the blind men and uh -huh. the elephant. Mm -hmm. So there's like five blind men. Oh, I and they can't see anything. And one of them goes up and he feels something. Oh my God, what is this? Is it a rope? I'm tugging on something here. It feels like a rope. And then another one goes up to like the leg of the elephant. And he's like, oh my God, it's a tree. What do you mean it's a rope, you idiot? It's a tree. And then another one goes up to the ear. He's like, no, it's a, it's clearly a palm. You, you're you all nutcases and they're all yelling at each other and all feeling different things. And they all think it's something different. And then one sighted man comes by and goes, you guys are all touching different parts of the elephant. <laughs> it's an elephant. <laughs> and they right? all feel like idiots. Now that parable is supposed to be something <laughs> like a commentary on the religions of the world. But it doesn't have to be. It can also be used as a parable to define how we come across the idea of truth. What truth is, is an approximate truth mm -hmm. that we come to by communicating with each other. It's which is why process. the idea of freedom of speech is so important. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is because how we discover truth is by talking to each other. So if you don't let people assert their opinion, honestly... And risk that vulnerability yeah. or risk that, that, that criticism that they were talking about and being vulnerable, then you actually make it harder for a society to figure out what the truth is. Ooh. Interesting. So, so there, can I just throw in one yeah, thing before yeah, you go? Yeah. So there's a really cool quote on, on like language and conversation. So by creating language as a species, language is when we have our, this conversation we're having right now is humans imagining together. That's what language and conversation provides. And I know it sounds really trippy. We're syncing up. 
Yeah, like we're synchronizing. Like literally, it's like as, as if getting we, on the same wavelength. Yeah, it's it's the oh, it's the it's the this. best way we can communicate our ideas because, you know, we don't know where a thought come from. Like realistically, we don't know how people have thoughts and all the things. But what we can do is we can try to write down our thoughts, or we can try to say our thoughts to allow us to communicate more effectively. To say to get my thought into your brain, or to your brain, or to your brain, or to anyone listening's brain. What this is, is all of us brainstorming together. And when we start saying this over and over again, like there's a lot of this common themes that we that seem to be bubbling up in all of these conversations that we're having with Feeding Curiosity. And over time, there's like an emergent truth that seems to be happening. I don't think that there's. OK, so one, I can back up your point with a study. So there's a study that Penn and Baker did, James Penn and Baker out of yeah. UT Austin, where they took the they analyzed the the text messages over the course of like a few weeks or a couple months or something of freshman couples mm-hmm. who are notoriously not going to last. <laughs> so, freshman couples, you yeah, got it right there. Right, they're like 18 years old. Nail like, coffin. Oh, we're in lava. And then we see how, and then they analyze all their text messages to each other. Apparently you're cynical, Joe. Put it through a word program that I'll actually be using in my, oh, really? uh, my research, yeah. Yes. Same cool. word program. Analyzed what words were there and then found that the thing that predicted whether or not they were going to stay together was they started mimicking each other's language. They were getting on the same wave. Yeah, like synchronizing, right? Right. They were synchronizing. And that's how you know they're going to last. If they didn't do that, six months, they're done. And they could predict it pretty accurately. You should send me that study. That's interesting. It's really fascinating. It's interesting. It's so cool. It's a whole paradigm now. Like you, if you want to do, what, if you want to study, what studies that is that relationship psychology? I forget what he's a social psychologist. Social psychologist. Okay, yeah. that's what I'm um, sure. But that's one thing. So we can measure, or at least indicate that that getting on the same page thing, that that synchronizing across the culture between other people happens, mm-hmm. at least in relationships, right? But it's a proof of concept for on a broader scale. Yeah, because if you're because if you're spending all of your time with that person in physical contact. It's like you start to become chameleons for each other's patterning, basically. Mm. And it's like the subconscious patterning. When you have those couples that are like really, really close and they start to talk like each other, it's exactly that. Want to know what's funny? So at Thanksgiving at Nate's house, um, did someone, they, someone did they told us something crazy. I forgot exactly what it was, but like Alex was standing behind me and I was st- like, so like we weren't looking at each other, but looking like this way. Yeah. And the person goes, you guys literally made the exact same expression. <laughs> <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's the right. synchronization. They, yeah. they say too, that the, that couples. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it happened twice in like the same within a week, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. They say too, that couples that are with each other for a long period of time, married couples, begin to look like each other because your faces start to mimic each other's expressions yeah. and then the same wrinkles because you keep making the same oh, points. Yeah. Oh, really? All, right, right. Whoa, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Right, because you're mimicking each other's expressions. So the result, the the wrinkles that would be a result of those expressions get mimicked yeah. later on between both of them. Ooh, so that sucks for like, you know, you marry someone hot and they're going to get uglier, but you're going to get... <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's all downhill for me but <laughs> for her i'm gonna just keep looking better and better but i'm so horrendous now that <laughs> oh man she's messed up dude oh no oh she's screwed sorry <laughs> she needs to have facial hair by the end <laughs> so, so to build off of your thing that you were saying earlier with the um the yeah. idea of putting yourself out there as a means of expression to add to the whole truth, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. You mentioned the vulnerability and putting yourself out there with mm-hmm. that. So I think an issue that we're seeing with free speech and people thinking that free speech is being attacked outside of, you know, there are HR departments and you can legally have issues with free speech. But at the same time, I think people really undervalue or under misunderstand consumer votes and how much companies need to abide by that. Mm-hmm. Like if a company has an issue and it gets outside of the company and the consumers understand, hey, this is this doesn't align with my virtues, that's the entire world of marketing right now right. saying we need to align with our customers' virtues. So if some small thing happens internally, an issue with virtues is going to impact sales. Yeah. And every consumer vote matters. And so basically that's where freedom of speech might be inhibited and people lose their jobs over saying stupid shit and all this kind of stuff happens. And everyone's like, oh, the government's trying to take away free speech. That's not happening. I'm not going to lie. Like when people show up to college campuses and there's so many protesters that they don't speak anymore, they have, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's certain scenarios where there are violent threats and things that actually they need to not. Some of the times they could just go and speak and they'd be speaking to an empty auditorium, but they'd still be able to speak like they'd still be able to do yeah. their job it's it's a right to speech versus right to a platform exactly yeah. that's and that's so, the, gonna, that's the blurry say. line right now because yeah. a lot of the platforms and quotes that we have at least in the digital space blur the line between providing a product and providing a platform yeah. like just think of the apple store right they're at once a product and they also, because they, so they, so they have basically a conflict of interest because they sell other people's things on there, but they also sell their own thing. Mm-hmm. So there's an implicit bias usually there, and it's not to say that it isn't or is, but it probably is, that they're gonna emphasize their own stuff before they emphasize somebody else's thing on yeah. that platform. Right. So it, that's where like all this stuff kind of gets squirrely where it's like, even, even like Facebook is kind of like the empire evil empire right now, where it's like, they're trying to take over the internet and create a walled garden platform. You know, Zuckerberg wants to create a cryptocurrency. It's all this crazy shit, like where it's blurring the line and creating these walled gardens within digital space that then transcend into the physical realm because of how delineated it all is because then people like, because people will recognize that in the world. But I think the one thing we do have going for us is the ability that we do have nowadays that's facilitated by the internet and by people who care. Like me and Joe got to see Jordan Peterson give a live lecture. That doesn't happen that much anymore. The fact that like that guy filled up an entire, I think it was the Congress. I, don't I forget. I forget what venue it was. Might have been the Chicago Theater. It might have been the Chicago Theater. Probably, honestly. I but remember. It was full. Like it was massive. Like it was like the entire thing. And here's a guy who's a you know, Canadian professor who maybe lectures to sixty to hundred students regularly, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And instead, he's talking to thousands of people. Mm-hmm. You know, f- sold out shows. And again, so the things he said in his career clearly didn't inhibit his consumer votes mm-hmm. enough. To that he still has that kind of stuff. So yeah. he still has his platform. He hasn't been dethroned. Mm-hmm. The issue is, though, I think people think nowadays the difference of not having freedom of speech versus speaking with impunity. There's a total difference there, right? And so that's, again, the, everyone is intense. The second they open their mouth, there might be that minimal mm-hmm. artist version of expression. But a lot of people think they can just say absolutely whatever they want without that vulnerability. And right, that's just right, not what's happening. Consequence. So yeah. it's like, oh, I said something incredibly homophobic or incredibly racist. Why did I lose my job? Well, and they because- they about it basically? Yeah, because that doesn't align with your company's virtues. Yeah. That might've cost them consumer votes or legal issues. So you, there was no impunity. You still got to say that and you're not being sued or anything. But right. there were consequences. You're not being thrown in jail. Yeah. yeah. But we have to sever ties. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. People think freedom of speech is also means that people have to listen. Freedom to fuck up. 
Yeah. And it's <laughs> or, like, yeah, freedom to listen, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's like, no, like, just because you are free to say whatever you want doesn't mean I'm required to listen to that. Yeah. Like, I can tell you to fuck it's off. True. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, like, go ahead. Well, no, it was just, I mean, that's basically it. Okay. You know what I mean? but, well, I mean, I think it comes down to is this sense of responsibility that should be imparted on the individual. Like, we, we've created all these things and all these platforms, and we don't, we haven't thought about the consequences deeply enough to impart a sense of responsibility for those who do it, right? Like, I, <clears throat> I was talking to Joe about this yesterday, is the sense of responsibility that seems to be paramount to who I am. I can't sit here and talk about all these meaningful things and be like, you got to do the deep work, and without, like, I wouldn't talk about it unless I've done it myself. And how much it val I value it. And that's where it comes from. Is like this entire idea of there's a first wave of responsibility that I can't honestly sit here and sit at a microphone and talk unless I'm doing what the fuck I say I'm doing. And that's the difference that a lot of people say is they just, they, they get fired up and emotional about something and they feel like they care about it or they feel like they'd stand up about it, but they haven't actually stood up about that thing yet. Or they haven't thought about the consequences of being like, do I really think I should be saying this? Because there's a lot of times where if you self-filter yourself and say, oh, I'm just being hot-headed right now and I shouldn't really talk about the guy who just cut me off and I want to, you know, I hope he dies in a fire or whatever. <laughs> like, like that's the easy answer, obviously, but there's a lot of like stupid options here. But like, that's just me being stupid with it. But if we stopped and... and looked at it with our own personal responsibility instead of looking at other people and say, why aren't you more responsible? Mm -hmm. When in reality, the best we can do is be accountable to ourselves. And then by virtue, if you hold yourself responsible, those around you see how responsible you are and change behavior accordingly. And so, I mean, obviously that's not going to work all the time, it's, but it's, yeah. the synchronization really, yeah, it's like synchronizing with truth that they can see you're full of shit. Right. I mean, terms. authenticity you know I mean? Like, at, the, at the core. Yeah. But like, if you could, if you, so we all have experienced this in some way or another, but someone who's like, you just know they're full of shit all the time. Like everything yeah. they say, they're like, why? <laughs> Shut up. You know what I mean? It's like, a used car salesman. Like, yeah. you, you know yeah. it. Like, and it's aggravating because then they'll say something that maybe they are telling the truth and maybe they're, they hit the note where they are being super authentic. Yeah. But since they have this track record of BSing, you're like, Nah, I don't agree with it. You know what I mean? But yeah. if someone else were to say the same exact thing, you'd like, be like, oh, yeah, I got you, man. I feel you, bro. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's like flaky people. Like, you know, those people you try to make plans with, and it's like, you, they like, yeah, man, I'm down. Mm -hmm. I'm down. I'll, yeah. I'll hang out with you this Friday for sure. Yeah, I cancel. All and, you, the time. and you text in the day before, and we still good? Fever. We yeah. still good. <laughs> we still good. And then all of a sudden, it's like, to tit day of yeah. it's like yo you gonna be there oh sorry my yeah. my gerbil it's like sick yeah and i, I just can't make it yeah so so what that <laughs> i give people the benefit benefit of the doubt because i i try people like stuff does happen or even even if nothing happens i try to think about it i'm like okay what if i don't understand maybe this person has like some anxieties or issues or something that i don't know about that they haven't shared and mm -hmm. so they don't they aren't they can't because it's a hard thing for them so they can't relay and be super truthful and say, look, man, I'm really having a hard time right now. I have to cancel. So sometimes I try to be like, all right, maybe I don't know what's going on. Maybe something else happened that I don't understand. So I try to yeah. be a little more understanding with things like that. 
But when it's every single time, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, all right, man, like you it's can what hit it's the me pattern. Sergeant, you who used to say three's a trend. Yeah. And then he's like, you're going right up until three. <laughs> he's like, so you screw up. He's like, you flake twice, you're fine. Like yeah. two times, totally. Like I get it, that mm. happens. Third time, yeah. <laughs> then it's like you can hit me up. <laughs> you know yeah, like, like yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, that's too like back. I don't know. My main thing is like no one owes anyone anything ever. So like the they don't owe you their attendance. They don't even owe you the truth. But mm-hmm. you also don't owe them continued invites or continued friendship. Yeah, but that continues to happen. So you know you can just if it's not worth getting worked up over. Mm-hmm. But if they get worked up over like well why didn't you invite me this time or why are we not hanging out as much and stuff like well, I you didn't owe me anything and I don't owe you anything. Yep. So you know what? Yeah. I honestly in that situation the thing you do is tell them exact you tell them straight. Yeah. You go yo listen, I'm not inviting you to anything anymore because every time I invite you you don't show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's Fair. it. And it's like, and that's not personal. I like being around you. I would love, but it's the statement here. of fact, but I'm not going to waste my energy. Yeah. 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 And that's fair. I think that's a hundred percent fair. You know yeah. I mean? You can't get mad at that. No, I mean, I, I think I, people will. See, yeah, they will, but you shouldn't. <laughs> as, as all of you probably can attest to, I am like the undying optimist in just about everything. And so I go the other end of the spectrum of like when people choose to hang out with you, right? It's like a sense of gratitude because that person could be choosing to do literally anything else but spend time with you but they have made that actual decision to spend time with you right. and so if you treat that as it as that limited commodity that it is because we could be choosing to do anything else with our time mm-hmm. like all of you are doing right now the that you should be able to channel into gratitude and be able to take it for what it is because a lot of times people say like oh yeah we're doing something but then people are on their phones or people are doing like distracted or whatever so then you can take that sense of gratitude and be like okay i'm gonna make sure i'm in this moment you know like you said before be where your feet are or mm-hmm. bugle i told you the same thing do that but when you're with those people or make plans with that person the best you can do is follow through and then actually be there mm-hmm. when you're there because then it shows how much that relationship or that time matters to that person or at least for yourself because yeah. <laughs> there's no point in doing something if you're actually not going to be in it yeah the, right. there's a french philosopher named jean paul sartre who talked about this a similar idea where he thought that there was there had been before him a long tradition of this idea that we had an essence mm-hmm. we had something that determined who we are a human nature that existed and he denied that. He didn't mm-hmm. like that at all. He said that existence precedes essence. And the oh. idea there was that first you exist mm-hmm. and then you define yourself. Yeah. Then you start to define who you are mm-hmm. and what your nature as a human being is. But the way that you do that is that you act and you are, there are an infinite number of actions you could take in the world. I could do literally anything. I could just Stand up right now. I could dump my beer out all over this entire thing. And I could slap Wenzel. And I go, ah, and I could run out. Like, that's, I could absolutely do that. Nothing would stop me. I could Shock totally value, do that, right? Extreme. <laughs> all of those are an option. I could do anything right now, right? Infinite. I could just start hitting buttons. Doesn't matter. Because of that, what we actually choose has to be chosen at the detriment of another possible choice. Mm-hmm. I choose to sit here as a civilized human being mm-hmm. and not do that insane shit because as Sarge would say, I value sitting here and having this conversation more than I value that other option. 
There are always so, opportunity costs. Yes. Yes. And every, and every action you take indicates what you value. Mm-hmm. So you are defined then by the things you value and the actions you take after having come into existence. You define yourself, but you haven't, we are condemned to be free is what he said. Ooh. Because of this infinite amount of action we can take. We are condemned to be free. And the choices you make matter so much, they define you, period. And like Wenzel was just talking about, or just like we were talking about with flaking, like the reality is you could have some crazy disease and be like, I can't, I can't make it. Now, that might be reasonable for you to say, I'm going to sit here and I care more about my personal health than I do to show up to this party or whatever. Totally reasonable. Or you could you could value, honestly, this would be ridiculous, but you could value going to that party even more than your own personal health. Yeah. But that's a choice that you make and that, that indicates who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think, he was, I think he nailed it, except for one thing. Mm. He, made, he, he really screwed up because as far as I can tell, <clears throat> we aren't born as a blank slate. That's what he assumes. Okay. That we exist. I and, was literally just going to ask. Yeah, that. yeah. He, that's where he screws up. He drops yeah. the ball there. He assumes that we're a blank slate when we when we come into, when we're born. Yeah. And he didn't, it's like evolution doesn't exist for him. But oh. the reality is, is that there's a handful of actual, there's a handful of choices that were made throughout our entire evolutionary history that benefited our survival. And then over time got substantiated in biology. So we have parts of our brain that literally have values already prepackaged given to us. So there yeah. is a human essence that comes before our own existence as a result of this continuum. Yeah. This constant choice these constant choices that are made that eventually become biology that eventually influence the way we act yeah. like food, right? I'm hungry. Me deciding that I'm going to eat is actually the result of valuing food, which turns out to be a great way to survive. <laughs> it's <laughs> quite necessary, in fact. <laughs> like evolution itself, I think, in it, it, it does assert a, a value, a superordinate, like the top value, mm-hmm. which is survival and reproduction. Is there anything that gets into just lack of knowledge? Like the idea that every choice we make, I'm choosing to be here right now yeah. with everyone. But hypothetically, if there were some town in the world where everyone wears mustard and has red dyed hair and drinks craft beer nonstop and they're all writing their own poems and skateboarding. It sounds like your special... Like, exactly, if that place existed, which I don't know it exists. I mean, maybe Colorado or something. I don't know. But <laughs> if that place existed and I didn't know, but I knew it'd be there, like the whole, all those like... I don't know, there's essentially the idea of thoughtful and deep posts you'll see of like, oh, I'm homesick for a place I don't know exists. Like that kind of <laughs> stuff. Like there's some truth Is your to rising that. moon like, aligning too? Exactly, yeah. Mercury is out of retrograde. Um, <laughs> but like, so in reality, there, I don't know that that place exists. And so I don't, I can't go there. And if yeah. maybe, you know, maybe there's a portal in the closet that I don't know about that might get me there. And it's, does this like psychology get into that lack so, of knowledge? So Sartre would say that you aren't saying that you wouldn't value that thing over what you're doing mm-hmm. because you don't know about it. You don't have the option to make that choice, mm. right? Your, your ignorance actually limits the amount of choices you can make. Oh, So he'd be like, yeah. I mean, if you knew for sure that that thing exists and you could do mm-hmm. go do it, or you just had an inkling of that thing, yeah. then then you're making a choice. But yeah. if you're totally like it's an unknown unknown, you don't know that you don't know it, then yeah, you're. It's like you're right. You're almost you're free. You're I think good. I also just in my head answered my own questions too. Of like, it's one thing if it's like 
this piece of art doesn't exist. I'm going to make it exist. Because like mm. I said, like, I don't know if that place exists, but I can try and forge that community. Mm -hmm. But yeah. there's an issue there too of like people who tried to forge communities and just, you know, put their own virtues onto the world. Like maybe Hitler, for instance, was mm. like, oh, there's a world that has Jews in it. And I don't want a world of Jews. So I'm going to enact one that doesn't. There's an issue with that of like you're putting your stuff onto other people, and there's I don't know. Yeah. So here's a weird thing with Sartre is that he would say that there are no inherent values. So he's an atheist. Mm. He's an atheist existentialist, and it's worth like pointing out because there were atheists and non-atheist existentialists, mm -hmm. and they kind of divide in this in this part. So he would say there are no actual values that exist other than the personal ones that you decide for yourself as a result of making actions, right? So he would actually say that there's nothing, I don't think he, I don't think he can say that there's anything inherently wrong with things like Hitler, rather that it's oh. wrong because we all decide that it's wrong, mm -hmm. right? That we all value not killing a bunch of Jewish people over Hitler doing what he wants to do, but Hitler isn't inherently wrong in some sense, or he isn't that there isn't it's not objectively wrong what he's doing mm -hmm. yeah which is exactly Weird. what i wanted to get into and what you answered with our previous podcast like 20 ago with <laughs> the idea of where does morals come from and it's oh like right they celebrate and yeah they celebrate things that along their like procreation and survival mm -hmm. and that's that's it it's pragmatic um, yeah very it's, i think val but here's okay so here's a really interesting thing i got in this with ben a little bit a while back but here's the interesting thing so I'm a pragmatist. So I think that what's going on is that over a long period of time in our evolutionary history, we found that certain behaviors benefited survival. Those behaviors, some of them are actually moral behaviors, that we have moral beliefs that got perpetuated over a very long period of time that ensured our survival. And we value those things actually because they value our, they benefit our survival. Okay, so you could just say that that is a social thing, that we believe that the golden rule is good, though it has been perpetuated over a long period of time and for survival reasons, that that rule itself wouldn't exist if we weren't in a social environment, okay? So if there was no interaction between other people, then does the rule, is the good Samaritan thing true? Mm. Or is it only true within the context of a social dynamic that exists for humanity. Mm -hmm. Now, that's one argument. Another argument would be that we evolved to match our environments. So a fish gets gills because gills help it breathe underwater. It's beneficial for its survival. But that also tells us something about the environment that it's in. There's water. It's swimming in water. It wouldn't have gills if it was out of water. Right. It's, it's a given. It's a constant. Right. It doesn't. So it could be that we developed moral principles. We adapted and created these things, not just because we're in a social environment, but because the environment contains morality. That there's, in fact, objective moral laws that exist in environment beneath our own perception. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. I have no idea how to get past any of that. <laughs> so what about, what I can't about, tell you the answer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, but what I about, haven't thought about it enough to, yeah, to actually weigh in. Yeah. I could already think of ways to refute this, but to maybe go on further with this, like, are there fish born without gills that just immediately are born to die? They die. They don't. Or like, for the instance of, like, what if you're born with full-blown personality disorder or a sociopath? Yeah. You know, does that 
say something about the environment or are those just mutations? Well, it might well, just, it, yeah, it would be saying the same thing about the environment yeah. just from a different direction. Right. It'd be, it'd be like the, the negative version. It'd be like those very if, rare diseases that people have that they can't well, function. Abnormality, right? It, so right. like, does that take that into account? Yeah, because if you can't breathe underwater and then you die, your death is an indication of the fact that you should have been able to breathe underwater. If there's something about the fact that you weren't able to perpetuate that also tells us about what doesn't work in the environment. So if you don't act morally, that might tell us that there is, again, still this moral structure that exists that when you're acting antithetically to it, you just die. Like, or you get jailed. Or I mean, this happens with truths in general. Well, like, they talk about like that as social aspect for humanity. They, they, there seems to be a needed social contact that just talking to someone via digital platforms just doesn't fucking work. You need to still have physical social interaction to function properly. And, it, you know, we can't explain it with modern science really well yet because it's it's still kind of squishy in the sense like we don't know how to measure what, you know, fulfillment is or well-being really is. And there's some science with like Martin Seligman and, and positive psychology that they're trying to figure this stuff out. But there's a huge component in like positive, fulfilling relationships. And that's why I'm really talking about it right now because I'm reading the book. But it, it's it's a fascinating worldview because of the or not a worldview, like area of research, because a lot of psychology has gone in the negative psychology or abnormal psychology. But to, to actually look at the positive aspect of psychology is this, is like, it's almost counterintuitive because we talk about the negativity bias of humanity. And so it's more, it's more impactful for us to look at the, you know, where's the danger coming from next rather than where, where's what, what makes us feel good actually outside of, you know, addiction and drugs. Mm -hmm. Well, so yeah. and you can, you can, you can use the same pragmatic thing. I use this all the time in my, political philosophy class against people not against people against the ideas or the people who i'm responding the bearer to, of ideas fine. in marxism i use this this pragmatic argument which was if your belief system when employed in the world produces death and destruction which one is something that didn't even account for then that indicates something wrong with your philosophy mm. because if it was a perfect philosophy you wouldn't have that problem theoretically right so if it was universal, you'd be able to win people over and you wouldn't have to kill. Right. This is, I can do this with religious people too. This is super easy. Is the Bible the perfect document to be like, maybe a fundamentalist, fundamentalist would be like, yes. I'd be like, okay, then why does it, why is it the case that not, that everyone who reads it doesn't be immediately become a Christian? Because when you act that thing out in the world, when you present that thing to the world, now your own definition of perfection isn't actually being realized. So that should suggest the fact that it isn't actually perfect. Mm -hmm. yeah. I also just, I don't know, just a different way to think about things and how human value acts, you know, creativity broken down to its very basic means is that something didn't exist in the world. And because of you, it now does that's you created something. Mm -hmm. And that's true for science, math, everything in the world, art. So I just realized back to the whole thing of like, Searching in the world and not knowing how to get or if the thing you want exists, that's part of the creativity of the human existence is, okay, I value this. It doesn't exist. I'm going to make it happen. And that's really interesting yeah. to me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I've it's, never connected those. Yeah, creativity is something like a hypothetical value. Yeah. It's like I would value this thing coming into existence more than it not being mm -hmm. or whatever it is that is an obstacle in my way of making that thing mm -hmm. exist. So I value that creative process so much more than that, that I'm going to create this thing. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. And I think with that, you might want to 
wrap this bad boy up because it's almost time to start the festivities oh, and sure. continue drinking more <gasps> alcoholic beverages. I would never. My mom's about to be home and oh. there'll be tequila. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Cue sound effect. Why is all the rum gone? <laughs> I do want to just point out. Yeah, go ahead. We never went around and talked. I know. We totally. It was like we started with Jordan and yeah. then it just did completely delirious. We can end it on that. Yeah. yeah. Let's just do a little. want to end it on that? Yeah, yeah do it. Fill in, fill in uh, the gap. My most recent thing is I had an amazing friend invite me to Iceland and I was petrified of going the entire time. And then once I got there, I learned a lot about myself and it was an amazing trip. And There's I'm dope super pictures. Thankful. It looks amazing. Yeah. I, I, that's I'm jealous. Now, yeah. I do want to go really bad. We'll, we'll, we'll have to do a, a solo podcast where mm-hmm. you just talk about Iceland the whole time. I'll never forget the, the capital city of Iceland being Reykjavik mm-hmm. because Craig Ferguson, when he's on late night, used to ask people questions like trivia questions for one of the last things that you do. And he'd open every question with, with if Reykjavik is the capital city of Iceland, then what color is the color blue? Like just stupid Wait, shit. Wait, what? <laughs> like just like it would make no sense. Every question would open with that. <laughs> then he just totally changed. I'm so it. glad you pronounced the, the name of the capital city because I've always wondered how the hell you pronounce that word. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> random funny. tangent. That's totally on my list. Yeah, it looks uh, awesome. It it's look insanely beautiful. Highly, I'm definitely going back in the next five years in the summer though. It'll be more expensive for the flight, but mm-hmm. outside of that, everything else should be cool. I am, let's see. Thesis work, lots of that. That's mm-hmm. a big time consumer. Things are going okay. I got a couple of corrections. I'll have to make this stupid thing. It's I can't talk too much about it, but there's a whole lot of research going on for me. Japanese is murder. Doing political philosophy, love it. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite classes. And what else? Oh, benefit dinner coming up. So I'm still doing the S. I'm still holding two positions for the SVA. <laughs> one is the community involvement chair. One is the secretary running for president come next me so the 11th dope so yeah yeah, cool all sorts of things going on cool beans all right guys well that's friendsgiving now it's on to the rest of the the festivities yes it is boom (laughs) (laughs) i want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening, and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you.